This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay in Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Very well indeed. It's going well, and it's quite nice that it stopped raining. It only rained for two days, and in fact, it didn't really rain much. It was just kind of drizzly and grey, but we're not used to it anymore. Uh, we've had um, some great thunders here in the last few nights. I like this year. And who do we have to talk to today? We are speaking with Jonathan Hager from this in Rotorua. Welcome, Jonathan. Morena, thank you. Well, um, yeah, pleasure to be here. How was your well, it's not really your bubble anymore, but how is your bubble life going? Yeah, it was, it was interesting when we, um, so we, uh, so there's my wife and I and our two children and our daughter, this was her first year at university. So she disappeared from the home, you know, from our home for a month. Um, and we kind of got used to what was then the new normal for our family life and then all of a sudden we had to go down to Wellington, pick her up and bring her home. So our our bubble suddenly extended from three to four and then the country went into um, level four lockdown. Um, so that was an interesting situation having all of us at home again. Um, so I'm quite fortunate uh, in my role. Well, for, for, yeah, fortunate um, because I work for hospice. So uh, we made the decision early on that myself um, being you know one of the senior leaders would actually come into the office and work so um, that worked out quite well so it meant that all four of us weren't at home tripping over each other all day and we weren't um, maxing out the internet so um, yeah and then when we as we moved back through the levels we've all adjusted fairly well uh, my wife enjoyed um, level four she she quite enjoyed working from home so, and I think, you know, getting used to office life again post-lockdown has been a little, little difficult, but um, I think she's come through it pretty okay. Uh, oldest daughter is back in Wellington um, with all of her friends down there at uni, so they're doing well, and um, son is back at high school. And I think he, the thing he missed the most was the social contact, hanging out with his friends and, and so on. So, yeah, overall, we've, we've come through pretty well. My son's in his first year at Canterbury, and I reckon that that is the age group that had it the hardest because mm. they'd, they'd spent all their, you know, growing up. This was their big breakaway moment. And as you say, they went away for a month and then they came back again. It yeah. was like, 
I thought I was I thought I was a grown up. I'm back in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, and it's like they all of those um, young people had arrived at university. They they'd started developing friendships and hanging out, and then all of a sudden the the pin got pulled, and they were home again. Um, yeah, I think there was a little bit of adjustment that was needed, but yeah, yeah and strange keen, times for those first years. Pretty keen to go back, even though the classes are online. Hmm. Let's take the first of your music choices. Which one should we have first? Let's have Frightened Rabbit first. Old, mm-hmm. old-fashioned. Why this one? Oh, I, I'm a big fan of a good sing-along. Uh, and this song, uh, I've managed, I got to see the band play live um, a number of years ago in Auckland. And... Uh, just love the song, love the, and also love the meaning behind it. You know, old-fashioned kind of aligns with the whole lockdown and um, reconnecting with each other. So you're in the lyrics, it talks about listen, you know, turn off the TV and turn the radio on, have a good boogie in the lounge. All of those really nice um, social connecting uh, type activities. So that's that. Yeah, and it's a once you know the lyrics, it's really easy to sing along to. So that's why I, I chose it.
essential Lucy, our granddaughter who is two and a bit, was dancing around the house like a crazy thing to that last night. We ended up playing it about four times. She just insisted it was more and more. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So back to how things used to be. Do you think we're going back to how things used to be or is it a is it a new place? I think we are, I think there's somewhat people are trying to go back to how things used to be. I mean, for those of us who are, you know, in the over 40, over 40, you know, thinking back to the 1980s when the shops were closed on Saturday and Sunday, um, and there was a lot, you know, we used to go to my nana's house for lunch on a Sunday. So there was, I think there, uh, you know, the lockdown has kind of shown that need for social connection again. And I think, uh, for many people, they, they're realising the value of what relationships are. Uh, and yeah, I even saw um, last night in a Facebook post, um, their uh, person was talking about the closing the borders in the States, in Australia, and how tra hard travel just around Australia is. And then one of the family members who's in New Zealand, who didn't understand the context, was saying, we need to reopen the border to New Zealand and the reason for that was is they have an unveiling coming up in September and they want their family to come home to um, acknowledge and celebrate, you, you know, that one year since the family member's passing. So there's a big, there is a strong desire there for people to reconnect in person. Um, obviously, it's pretty hard to do when there's such a rampant disease around, but I think there is definitely a desire there amongst many people to, to reconnect, uh, and particularly in that face-to-face -face, um, way. Working at the hospice, you'll be used to having a positive, spin's not the right word, but a positive attitude to things that are potentially not positive. Mm -hmm. Is that something which we can learn from how hospices work, that we can, how we can deal with this as a community? I think there's definitely, there's definitely aspects of the work that we do that can be taken over to the community. Uh, the in our in our work the patient is is the absolute center so caring for that person in the middle and we do everything that we can to help if you could kind of think of it in, in circles the patient is absolutely in the middle and then the next circle out is their family or their whanau and then if you go out another circle there's you know the extended family and so on um so the way that we work is we try to have you know maintain that really strong relationship firstly with the patient but then with their family and support their desires and needs and and in that there is there's yeah we try to display a lot of empathy uh, and and to walk in that journey with them and I think there's a lot of that which carries over to the lockdown and it's um, a lot of interesting inter you know inter um, interpersonal relationships and things happened you know, going to the supermarket, there are lots of nice stories of people connecting and reconnecting, 
here in Rotorua, we had a Facebook page called Caremongering, and that was like a voluntary setup where people were going out and saying, hey, can I get your groceries for you? Um, do you need someone to give you a call? Do we want to catch up? And, and that's very similar to what we do here at hospice. You know, we keep the patient in the middle and say, hey, what can we do for you? What is it that you need? We know we can't reverse this. You you are obviously you know, going to pass away. You're going to die shortly. But what can we do to support you to have the best um, the best time that you can, given the amount limited amount of time that you may have? There is a kind of positivity to what we do. Uh, and the positivity is at the end. Uh, when all is said and done, if someone's, you know, if we feel that we've done everything that we can to empower someone else and to help them uh, on their journey, then then that ha then we feel really good and that we know we've done a good job. And the same carries over into community. If we can keep people at the centre of our focus, honour them and uh, help them to achieve their wishes, then we've done the right thing. We've lived a good life. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, na mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou, ho I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, in your beloved universes. And I really hope that whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together, from lockdown level four, level three, level two, and now level one, has just been a wonderful series of awakenings for you and has helped you even more to recognize who you are, the triumph of nature's art, surrounded by an infinite loving supportive web of life and here making things better every day and every way. Thank you for being born and physically manifesting at this time. We're so lucky to have you here and we're so lucky to be here together co-evolving. So I've had a really wonderful day today and of course it's been such a fascinating day for me because as we all know I see the natural world, the living world as the real world and the human world as a wonderful tool to serve the real world and a wonderful tool that we as a species of animal have created and so today there was a particularly wonderful series of juxtapositions between this creation of the human world that, of course, many of us find ourselves greatly enmeshed with. And, of course, the real world, the living world, the natural world, breaking through and reminding me of its beauty and presence and infinite power and my place within. So, a wonderful day and many exciting adventures have been taking place because of course over lockdown level four level three level two i have not been going and taking part in the consumer enterprises of the universe and so it's been a day of in the morning reintegrating into this universe and supporting the local economy by stocking up on various necessary possessions then heading out to my favorite place in the universe my heart's home Orokunui Eco Sanctuary and whereas of course for the last few weeks it's been very quiet and we haven't had many people 
in the visitor centre at once. We had our first big function and event today. And so there were hundreds and hundreds of people in the visitor centre, which was very exciting. But of course, again, it was that realisation that we are sharing these worlds. And for a lot of us, it was a big shift to make from that space that we had been enjoying the novelty of having to ourselves opening it back up again as a public space and reveling in the prosperity and the celebration of Orokanui that this was bringing but also feeling that this was a big shift so an exciting day in that way too and of course, spending time with my beautiful friend, Dr. Barbara Anderson, and wearing some amazing new Moko Kakarihi jeweled gecko earrings that she had 3D printed on her 3D printer, and thinking about lots of amazing science fair projects with the Kura Kaupapa Māori at Fairfield, looking at making different coloured flower mimics for our Pika Pika bird feeders, and all of these ways in which, as a species of animal, we're constantly seeking to draw inspiration from the real world, the living world, the natural world, and create from it. Create from that inspiration. And I talked with Dr. Barbara Anderson about my perception of genius as a spirit of the real world inspiring us beyond ego. And I feel that she really possesses that, and I'm so lucky to know her. And of course, after all of these wonderful interactions, I was driving home and I saw the most beautiful rainbow filling the whole sky and I could see both sides of this rainbow and I could see all the colours and I felt so grateful because I felt that all of these realisations I've been having, of course, were supported and mirrored by the real world and here was the real world again saying, here I am, and for Harvey Penfold and I, my beautiful partner, the rainbow is the symbol of our relationship. And when we first got together, we saw a lot of rainbows everywhere, so it's very special in that way too. But of course, as a reminder that all the time there are these beautiful, beautiful colours of light, and it's only when these special conditions are there that we can see them, but they're actually there all the time. And, of course, in this way too, the real world is there for us at all times. So as much as we can, remember that sense of awe and magic that we recognise, that we feel when we see a rainbow. Remember that that is always there, even if we can't see it. It's beneath everything and it is what everything is made of. And if we are feeling the strain of being enmeshed with this creation, the human world, we can take a step back from that and return to the sanctuary and the beauty and the magic of the real world anytime we need and feel ourselves as part of it. So I hope that you all have been having a really great day and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. So during lockdown, did you manage to get out and get some exercise? Oh, tried to, uh, tried to, tried to stay local 
uh, everyone kind of had a different idea of what local was. Um, for me, it was our local suburb. So I live in um, Nongataha, and we have a nice um, little lakefront uh, section, which I was able to, uh, you know, commute along backwards and forwards each day. And after a while, got to know the familiar faces of our community. <laughs> um, te Uruo Flavel was one of those. Every day I'd see Te Uruo out there uh, on foot. Um, for those who don't know Te Uruo, he was the um, Māori Party um, leader, and he lives in, in Rotorua out our way. So, yeah, and then there was, was I've done a bit of running in my uh, lifetime, and there's a group of friends down in Dunedin who are a bit crazy and they just and seeing all of these other interesting events going on around the world, they decided to do um, a backyard event. So I actually um, ended up doing uh, what a marathon around the house, uh, literally forty-two point two k's. Um, it took me a long, quite a long time, longer than normally would, uh, but it was all for a bit of fun. So. Um, yeah, it was it was making do when when you know when you couldn't leave couldn't leave the property. Did you wear a track? Uh, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of doing circles around the front of the house and then around the back and then uh, you know doing circles around the whole house to just to try and change it up. So it was it was a it was a fun day. Uh, my wife was a bit. She thought I was I was a bit bonkers. You know, going a bit nuts, going round and round in circles outside. Even the dog gave up. He ran with me for a little bit, and then he, when he realised I was only going round and round the house, he thought, "Oh, stuff! This, this is getting boring." <laughs> so, How many laps yeah. is it? Oh, I think I think it was like a it was oh two hundred metres around the house. So I don't know what's for, um forty two divided by two hundred equals about two hundred and something laps. <laughs> So it was it was a long it was a long day, and more more turny than you'd usually do. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, lots, you know, sort of every five or ten meters, it was oh, hang left or <laughs> hang right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, have you got you're a you're a trail runner? Have you got an out running on the the bigger distances since? Um, I've not done any events. Uh, because the you know uh, obviously for all sports actually getting into events has been quite difficult, um, but I think yeah I've done a couple of longer ones, but I'm in the moment I'm uh, preparing for the Tarawera Ultra, which is happening in February 2021. Um, so I've set a goal to do the 100 kilometer event there. Um, so that they call it a tra- they call it an ultra run, but quite a bit of the time is is walking as well so um looking forward to that so all my preparation at the moment is heading towards that how long does it take to run 100k for the guys who are are very very fast they can do it in about eight hours um for those of us who are mere mortals probably more around 14 to 15 hours and then for you know sort of the slower people that between nineteen to twenty hours, uh, and it's, it is, it's not an yeah, it's not an easy course, but it, it's a lot of fun. It's a really good day out. Is the trick starting out at a speed that you know you can do all day? Yes, yeah, it's it's going slow and staying slow 
all day. It's kind of like if you've got petrol in the tank, you want it to slowly uh, ebb away. Whereas if you go out at a faster pace, you empty the tank a lot quicker. So it just pays. The, the, the trick is to go slow and stay slow for as long as you can. For those of us who are not elite anyway. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist observing city life in lockdown. Oh, well, hello, bubble people. We're back here. We're back in this lovely conversation space. It's Liesel coming at you from the downtown bubble situation. I like the way I still refer to this as a bubble, but we're, we're talking in, in bubble place here, in blowing bubbles. So I do feel like it's been a helpful sort of analogy for our sort of, I guess the way we connect with people and being aware of how important it is that we connect with people because when we had that space of lockdown and um, we had to choose our bubbles and we had to make sure that we stayed in our bubbles, that actually, I think, made us aware of the fact that we need to be able to connect out with people and that for a certain period of time there we weren't allowed to and we weren't meant to and that caused a lot of um, I think discomfort for people and and in some ways because we had to choose our people and um, live in quite close confines with with some people that were maybe difficult or we hadn't chosen to be with um, just by our circumstances uh, yeah, we also realise that it's good to have a variety of people around us, not just maybe the, the four people that we live with or our own families sometimes. So connecting with other people, it's, it's a, maybe an introvert's nightmare, but I think even for introverts actually, there's um, a need for connection. It's just um, making sure that you've got that downtime too. But I think it's about how we can look at what lockdown offered us um, in terms of our, the way that we think about connecting with others. So has, has anything changed for you since lockdown? Because I know that the way that I have sort of um, thought about my connections as, as someone that loves being around people and I get a lot of energy from being with people and I, I like to connect with people, um, in that space where I was by myself, I had to think about how I maintain those connections but also that actually maybe it's good to have space for yourself as well and how does that feel and sometimes connection is about the way that you think about people too it's not just about just talking to other people or spending time with them um, it's actually cultivating some of those feelings about people cultivating your choices about who you want to have in your life um, cultivating your own sort of like responsibility to how you do connect with people. I know, I know for me over lockdown I gave a lot of thought to some of the really important people in my life, um, who was important in my life and who I was sort of missing being physically around and also letting go of some of the people in my life that had maybe not been healthy or I was um, working through sort of some of the kind of I guess uh, I love that word, baggage, <laughs> some of the baggage that was in my life relating to other humans, other people. So connection's not just about reaching out and grabbing people and saying, oh, you, let's connect, let's be friends. It's actually got 
this sort of um, deeper thing going on there where we sort of, why are we connecting with these, you know, this particular person and, and what can I add to it? Or what is not healthy about this connection? And is it a good idea to continue to connect with this person? So, yeah, I guess within that sort of space where we got kind of cut off into our little bubbles, it was um, also an opportunity and maybe, you know, just to reflect back on that for you, uh, now you can go back into that space in your head and sort of say, well, yeah, what did I miss about some people and some things and what was important and have I got new thoughts about the way I want to connect with people or has lockdown cultivated different styles of connection, you know, like the virtual sort of connections that a lot of us used and has that continued, you know, are we still using that? Has it become a valuable thing for us? Um, or have we kind of gone back to some of our old ways of connecting that are equally um, maybe just as just as good and um, important to still have in our lives or have we gone back to old sort of ways that are maybe not very healthy and we can look at different ways of having having our friendships having our relationships having our connections so I guess yeah just um, it's a pretty unique opportunity what we had with lockdown and I think there's lots of positive that can be taken out of that and particularly in thinking about how we want to interact with each other because we have choices about that and we have to interact so how do we do this going forward we're in a pandemic world how do we keep connecting in a healthy way so I hope you have a lovely rest of the day I look forward to our next chat together and take care you're talking about the community responses things like the there was it called caremongering that you saw in mm-hmm. in Rotorua of all of the societal changes that we've seen in the the last few months what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick well some for me personally some of the greatest changes were seeing people out exercising during the lockdown i saw so many families out walking riding bikes um reconnecting and and sadly as we as we very quickly moved from level four which was the ultimate lockdown back down to level three and two a lot of families have lost that they've not carried that practice on which is quite disappointing because it was so nice seeing so many families out there but i am i am hoping that a lot of families are while they may not be out on visibly on the streets connecting in that way, I am hoping that they're continuing that at home. For our family, it was definitely uh, we reconnected. You know, we purposefully were reconnecting, particularly with grandparents, because you know, grandparents live in a different town. So we were a lot more focused on, you know, being more uh, proactive in communicating with each other. So I think yeah, that communication and the relationships is is the is the key area. I think before we went into lockdown, everyone we were especially for our family, we're all quite busy. We've you know we're all heading in different directions with different life changes, and it's given us a the lockdown was pushing pause, and it's given us a nice time to reflect on what really matters, uh, and and what matters, and who matters as well, and you know, who is important to us, and how are we connecting with them. So I'm really hoping that we don't that society as a whole doesn't lose that uh, feeling of empathy and in that connection to other people. Because during lockdown four and then three, when the streets were quiet and everybody and the birds mm-hmm. were out and it was it was universal, everyone was saying, 
this isn't bad. Actually, this mm-hmm. this maybe we should be carrying on like this for longer. There's the, there's lots to be good about said about this. That's good. And mm-hmm. then as soon as we were allowed out, we started driving around like crazy things and back to rushing. The rushing yeah. ramped up a bit, but we weren't very good at holding on to it. So you, you're talking about that purposeful reconnection, that empathy. Do you think that we could? What, what would you? What could we do to actively hold on to those things? That's a really interesting question, and, and to be honest, I'm, I don't have a fantastic answer. But I do think the the uh, role of the media really came to the fore, and it was obvious how many became a lot more apparent how many people were listening to the media and the messages that were coming through there. So I think at a at a nationwide level, it would be re- it would be fantastic for the government or different agencies to use harness the power of the media and put those really positive reconnecting messages out there and le- and letting those land um, for people. So there's kind of the there's kind of the nationwide, you know, the macro approach, which is what are the messages that we do at the high level, and then bringing it all the way down to community. It, I think a lot of communities in New Zealand do a good job of trying to foster connection. Um, unfortunately, not because of the economic situation, some projects are being shelved. You know, like those community connection projects are being seen as being um, not were you know not effective use of money and so on so that's going to be a little bit hard and so i think we could all you know keep advocating for those those community connection events at a more local level you know that's kind of yes at the macro level you've got the whole of the country and in the medium level there's these districts and towns and in the low level it's what we choose to do as families where do we decide to put our energies and who do we connect, who do we choose to connect with? Uh, so we can all, we all individually need to take responsibility for our choices in, for, about where our energy goes and how we invest our time. And I think if we can all do that in a way that, that sees us building connections with other people, then we'll, the whole country will be better off in the long term. I wonder if we could somehow collectively put our energies into that being positive and eventually the media might move from the the hole that they seem to have got stuck in at the moment which is the story of conflict mm-hmm. yeah i think that would i think that would be uh that would be quite marvelous and it's it's quite it is a bit disheartening when you as you say the media is stuck in all, all of this turmoil and conflict you know in politics and and everything that goes with it um there's a lot of opinion based i i hesitate to call it journalism but there's a lot of opinion based publishing which and a lot lot of that is done simply to get people to read an article or or share an opinion but it's not it may not actually contribute to the well-being of community it's it's kind of someone sending out a thought into the universe uh, but there's no, it doesn't connect. It doesn't really land in the long term. So I absolutely agree. So if we could build our own positive messages as communities, that would be that would be wonderful. And we all have the power to do that, particularly through social media. Um, if we can build events, self-publish, self-publicise, 
then the media will hopefully take, or yeah, the media will increasingly be more positive towards those and will publish them more and, and put those messages out to people. Because that's something that I felt worked really well during that initial period of the lockdown is the media and particularly the messaging each day coming from the Prime Minister and Dr. Uh, Bloomfield was very positive, you know, and very warm and encouraging. So if we can build that, I think New Zealand will come out a, a far better country than what we were before we went into the lockdown. Let's take the second of your music choices from 1814. Mm-hmm. Honu Honu Mai. Why this one? I, I, this is, and again, it's another really uh, catchy song, easy to sing along to. And Whakahono Hono Mai means connect or reconnect. So it's about family, it's about uh, coming together. And it's, yeah, it's very much about that, all of those messages that I've been yeah, kind of sharing so far, reconnecting, connecting with others and, and sharing the love.
So what's next for for you as we, I suppose we're back through the levels. I've only got one level to go, but what's next for you over the next few months? I, at the moment, uh, professionally, Hospice, we, our hospice is quite fortunate. We've got such strong um, support from our community. So we, here at hospice, we're doing business as usual, which is fantastic for our patients in our community. Um, so that means that we can keep everybody on our team here. You know, we haven't had any to let anyone go, which has been fantastic. Uh, so that, you know, we'll just keep tracking along. And then professionally, I'm currently looking at, uh, I am going exploring some options around governance and supporting uh, community-based uh, organizations so i've got my feelers out for a couple of organizations that i'm just quietly talking to at the moment looking to join them and offer them support at a at a governance level so that will, so one of those groups focuses on human rights um, and the other group are based do a lot of work in the bay of plenty particularly around um, not repatriating, but the transition for prisoners who are exiting uh, jail time and coming back into the community and helping them to re yeah, reassimilate back into the community and be productive members of the community. So that, that's another uh, area that I'm exploring at the moment and hoping to that will get some traction. Do you think we can learn anything from how we've responded to this pandemic? for those longer term bigger questions things like social justice and, and climate change oh absolutely i particularly for uh, the the easier one to see to start off with is the climate change uh the the changes that happened and and with the with the lowering of pollution was was almost immediate you know sort of th two to three weeks in uh the co2 Two levels, or yeah, with the um, gas pollution from vehicles in Auckland had dropped like forty to fifty percent, and it was incredible. Uh, and just the air quality everywhere suddenly just became so much nicer and cleaner. So I think from in that way, it, it's really accelerated that uh, conversation. How do we how do we live? How how uh, do our behaviours affecting? The climate and the environment that we live in, and are there things that we need to change? We do need to move, and, and you know, a number of groups have been saying we do. We can use pedal power. Let's ride more. Let's walk more. Do you really need to drive to the dairy to buy that one thing? Perhaps you can wait till tomorrow. Um, and then on the social justice side, I think it gave everyone time to pause and reflect on where are we at as a society. How are we caring for our vulnerable people? How are we caring for those who don't have quite as much uh, economic wealth or or resources? Um, and then I don't think we've done such a great plan yet or such a great job yet of thinking about how do we change that and how do we bring in more of that social justice side and, and support for each other? Because during the lockdown, everyone was... Um, well, a lot of people were more focused at a smaller family level, whereas now we're kind of blooming back out again to the community level. So I am, I do have my fingers crossed and I am hoping that we can come up, you know, New Zealand and different groups will come up with some initiatives around that.
how do we support those people better? Because we've shown, we've, New Zealand has shown that we can. We can support those people, the vulnerable. Um, here in the Rotorua, we went from having a, a homeless ish, homelessness issue with people visible um, with all of their addictions and their, their issues, et cetera, to suddenly they were all housed or they all had somewhere to stay within a matter of days. So when, when these issues arise, things can happen. Yeah, these these things that we couldn't solve suddenly get solved. Exactly. And I, I think one of the positives is that we are in the future going to be able to hold politicians to account on that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, I don't believe this is not solvable because we did it in 2020. Exactly, exactly. Which was a big turn of events from uh, the previous uh, ruling. And I uh, fondly remember one comment that was made, which was, there is no housing crisis. And uh, so <laughs> that one, I, I will never forget that particular one because it's, it's well been proven to have been uh, incorrect. So yeah, now we, they're, I think now they're def- inventing homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was true. I love that story. I wish it were true. <laughs> the ingenuity of someone to get a free holiday in a hotel for two weeks would just be marvellous. <laughs> So we have some questions to end the show. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, the biggest success would definitely be uh, my securing this role as Chief Executive at Rotorua Community Hospice. I used to work at the Polytechnic, which is a huge organisation, and I was kind of stuck in in the middle management, unable to kind of step ahead. Uh, I put my name forward for this role. Hospice took a gamble and thought, I will give this young guy a go. Uh, and I and I uh, absolutely love being where I am today. It's it's um, love the team, love the getting, uh, being able to work with the patients. I get to see the patients, uh, you know, a number of our patients and talk to them and build relationship. So that's been, for me, that's my biggest success in the last couple of years. It's a big shift. From almost other ends of the, the life spectrum. Yeah, it is a it is a big shift. Um, but for, when I was up at the Polytech, I, I worked quite. I did a number of years working in the, the school of nursing. So uh, the a, a number of there was quite a few similarities in reporting and financial management and so on, which are where my skills tend to be. So. Um, it was quite funny because after I left the Polytechnic, I had a number of people say that they said, oh, they said, oh, we're really surprised that you got that job at hospice. And I said, you're surprised. How do you think I feel? <laughs> I was the most surprised of all. <laughs> but you're enjoying it. It's, it's working for you. Oh, absolutely love it. Love every day. Yeah. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. Our oh, team of fantastic. our team of people doing good work. So mm-hmm. you're in our mansion. What's the superpower that's got you there? Empathy. Above all else, it would be empathy. Treating people as people and treating people as how I, how I would like to be treated. So honouring honouring them, putting keeping them others at the centre, and helping them to succeed or to, to have the best outcome that they can. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? 
I've been thinking about this recently, and I don't, but other people, because I kind of have this gauge, and I look at other people and think, what are they doing? And I, and and you know, someone like Mawera or other people, I look to them and go, oh wow, that's a that's that's quite activist. And then I look at me and I go, oh, I'm not like that. Uh, but then other people would say that I that I do have uh, some activism within me. So um, I do try to temper it a little bit. But if there's if there's a cause or if there's an injustice which I think needs calling out, I will absolutely do that. Uh, but I do tend to be a, a, a lot more pragmatic in my approach, and I tend to sit on the fence and try and find the easiest way forward um, for everyone or the best win for everyone. But there are times with, with, uh, if I get upset or if I think something's not right, I will absolutely call it out. And what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? People. Ab- yeah, it's it, it all comes back to... Um, to people, you know, there's the um, the whakatauki in Māori, you know, what is the most important thing in the world? Hei tangata, hei tangata, hei tangata. It is people, it is people, it is people. So if I'm connecting with people and supporting them, then that's where I draw my uh, uh, encouragement and my value from. So, yeah, it is people. I think one of the other benefits that we can take from the pandemic is showing the the interconnectedness of of systems that mm-hmm. that in order to save the economy we first had to save the people and that whole you know, and, and if we treat this as a an environmental factor it comes right back to the core of sustainability that these things are they're all the same really mm-hmm. yeah absolutely agree with you so what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next couple of years? The biggest challenge is seeing is navigating our way through the economic changes that arise. So we don't know what those changes are going to look like yet. Um, but that's so yeah, navigating our way through those economic issues, seeing where they land and ensuring that we can keep providing the services that we do in the best way possible while looking after as many of our team as we can. So we don't foresee um, too many reductions or reduce it, you know, of our of our team here at hospice on the ground or in any of the organizations that I'm connected with. Uh, but that's going to be it's going to be an interesting ride. And I think if we could the the Key is to see it as opportunities. Where are the opportunities arising from? It's it's changing, it's turning that um, that viewpoint on its head rather than saying, oh, here's a challenge, here's a weakness, here's a problem. It's saying, where are the opportunities? What can we do? Can we, uh, if everyone's going left, do we go right? Uh, yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? I, my advice is, is always to stay positive. See the cup as half full, not half empty. Look at things through a, a positive paradigm where you can and really connect, connect with people in, in whatever way that might be. Uh, it could be through volunteering. Volunteering of time makes such a huge difference to other people. 
and it could be volunteering at the SPCA, it could be volunteering for hospice, you know, doing the operational roles, or it could be volunteering in governance, it could be anything like that. But doing a role that connects you back to people and put keeps other people at the centre will is always is uh, uplifting, and I find to be very rewarding. So that would be my uh, recommendation to everyone. Moira. Um, I'm, I, like John says, we have uh, this amazing country full of people who are so willing to volunteer and volunteer people keeps things moving. Like if you sit down and calculate the number of volunteer hours that are, that are used in New Zealand, um, see this mass contribution. So I think um, if you're thinking you've got a bit of extra time, loads of organisations would value time for the volunteer. And thanks to all those who volunteer. Thank you. I think we'll play out to Florence and the Machine. Dog days are over. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay in Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and Jonathan Hagar in Rotorua. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.